stage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio begins now. Hear the best in new music, artist interviews, stories from the road, and more. You are now backstage, and here's your host, Mothership. Hey, everybody. Isaac Marino helps artists, bands, and churches with their audio needs, and he's got an impressive list of credentials. I just wanted you to hear more about him. Enjoy. I have Isaac Marino, sound engineer, producer. What else? I travel around the United States teaching seminars, audio seminars, helping churches with production. Uh, I also run a recording studio here in Kansas. Anything that deals with audio, yeah, I'm I'm that guy. You have any other titles? Uh, foodie. That's what I hear. GFM told me you were a foodie. How was that tour? The tour was fantastic. It was. It really kind of lit a a new kind of fire in me. Just the whole fact. To be able to do something in the general market was like, wow. And being able to talk to people, minister to people, minister to the production team and being able to create bridges and stuff like that with people. I mean, it was just it was amazing. It was fantastic. Well, they were sure singing your praises when they were over at the house. (laughs) Well, we've been friends on Facebook for, I don't know, a decade. (laughs) I think so. Close to it. Yeah. And then. I guess I knew you through Seventh Day Slumber. Yep. So we finally met at a show. <laughs> Give me a little bit of your backstory. Well, just a little bit about myself, kind of my my quick background. Born and raised in Southern California. My dad had done ministry since the time he was like 16 years old until, you know, until he passed away not too long ago. But I joined with him in ministry. I was there from like from the age of three until I was about 18 traveling with him to Mexico every weekend to minister to people. But I took myself out of actually performing and playing because I used to play keys for him and stuff like that. Um, And I started to do more of the production type stuff. From there, just kind of worked with a lot of different people, Uh, found a band that was based out of Kansas that needed a tour manager slash production guy. So they moved me out here to Kansas for a little bit. I ran audio for them, and they used to hold youth conferences, and we would travel around the United States doing uh, doing these conferences, you know, like after school type stuff. We would travel with uh, Grits. Grits used to travel with us. Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I loved Grits. Uh, so I would run front of house for Grits. I'd run a front of house for the the guy who you know started the ministry. We would have football players come out with us. We would have uh, people that were in the movie industry, that sort of thing, and just kind of speak from that type of platform of being in a specific industry. But you know, how can you have Christ within that industry? From there, moved into working in a recording studio here in Kansas City, and uh, got to work with a lot of great people. Some notables, I got to work with Michael Tate because his sister Linda Randall actually lives out here. And uh, Linda was actually working on a project, and Michael came out to uh, track some BGVs on her project, and I was the engineer on that. Some of the other people were, uh, it was like Good Charlotte, uh, John Mayer. Uh, we did stuff for Road to El Dorado, which was a, a cartoon movie that Elton John had written the score to, and we recorded the Backstreet Boys for that. We worked with a band called Lit for another DreamWorks, I think it was a DreamWorks movie, but that was called Titan AE, and they did a, a track on there. Worked with a lot of people here in Kansas City kind of thing, and you know, a lot of major artists, and then obviously a lot of local artists. Uh, God picked us up from Kansas City, moved us back out to California, which I really didn't have a desire to go back. I uh, really loved the Midwest and the Midwest people, but was there for a little bit, worked in the church, teaching youth worship, teaching production. 
Uh, I worked for hotels doing audio and production. And while I was doing that, I, I worked on production with uh, Tony Braxton. Who else did I work with? Uh, Scott Stapp, uh, <laughs> Tina McBride. And and I, I'm kind of running through my life really, really quick. But just to kind of give just a snapshot from there, it was around the time when financially things started to take a hit and the churches were you know, our church had come to us and said, hey, listen, um, I don't think we can financially afford you anymore, you know, but we need you to be able to, if you can still help us out with some of the production stuff, which was fine. But around that time, I started to have dreams. At the end of each of the dreams, Joseph and the guys said, keep praying for us, keep praying for us. And so out of the blue, I just call contact Joseph and, and the guys and they said, hey, man, um, we just lost our sound guy. We'd love to bring you out. And so then that door opened up. Uh, we moved to Nashville with the guys, live out in Nashville for a couple of years. Uh, during that season, I worked with uh, KJ52, worked with Manifest, worked with any of the opening acts that went out with them in that, that during that season. Mm-hmm. When that season was over, then moved to Kansas City because God said to come out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I got back out here, um, the studio that I was working for, the gentleman was just about ready to retire. And he just, you know, was like, hey, would you mind, you know, running my business for me for a while? And I said, sure. And when that took place, what ended up happening is I was now starting to do stuff for like recording audio uh, voice voice actors for DreamWorks, for Marvel, for Lucasfilm, for Warner Brothers. I was working on video games. I was working on cartoons. I was working on actual films, um, doing all recording all the voice actors for it. You're going to be geeking some people out right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I even got to work on some of the Star Wars stuff, you know, and which for me, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I mean, I really am. Um, and the guy who voiced and this is for the nerds out there, if you if you know who this is, the guy who voiced Yoda for all the Clone Wars cartoons lives here in Kansas City. He and I became really close and really tight friends. And so then whenever certain opportunities would pop up, he would ask me, he goes, hey, can you track this stuff for me? So I worked on a lot of the Lego Star Wars cartoons, uh, Lego Star Wars video games. I worked on a Marvel video game with him. I worked on a Batman video game with him. So, yeah, God just opened the doors for that. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I never thought I would be in that world. And so, you know, here I am. But, you know, now we've been back in Kansas for, I think, 10 maybe 12 years now. I'm my own boss now. Uh, I run a recording studio out here. I fly around the United States teaching production. Churches will hire me to fly out to help teach production or work with, you know, sound and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And I do it here locally. So that's me in a snapshot. Wow. (laughs) There's a lot to you. (laughs) People tell me that, you know, I, I, I used to sit back and go, you know, I'm really not that interesting. I mean, I'm the guy behind the scenes, you know, pushing knobs and faders. And, <laughs> you know, we have to realize that if we don't know about you, it means you've done a good job. Right. Cindy, that's actually what I tell people is when I go and teach a class, it's like, you know, it's being a sound engineer is probably one of the most thankless jobs, because if you do your job right, no one has a clue that you're even there. You're kind of a ninja, but your responsibility as a sound engineer is to connect the band, artist, worship team, pastor, whoever it is on stage, you're connecting them to the congregation. And if you can get out of the way 
and allow that to happen, you can create such a, uh, an amazing experience of worship, uh, even a concert experience, almost making the sound system disappear mm-hmm. and allowing people just to kind of connect. And that's, for me, is kind of one of the biggest things that I love doing. I mean, being in the studio world and being in live sound, in the studio world, you have months, years working on a project, and you may never see the effects of the work that you do. Because once you hand over a project to an artist, the artist then goes out and they tour and all that kind of stuff. So they get to see the effects of the hard work and the the months and years that they put into it. But on a live sound engineer, that side, we get to experience it right then and there. So I can create an experience. You know, if I do an 808 drop and I can push the the subwoofers a little harder, you know, and make people go, oh, you know, you've created an experience. You've created an emotional connection to now a band, an artist, a worship team or whatever it is. It allows that for people to connect better. And that's what I'm all about. You know, when I run sound for for shows and stuff, that it's like, I just want people to connect with the lyrics with God who's utilizing the people that are up on stage. And that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I can feel your or passion for that. <laughs> but you don't want to be just stuck in a studio all the time. You you like going out doing that. Oh, I do. I, I really I mean, as much as I love being in the studio, uh, but I love I love being around people. I'm, I'm an extrovert um, and I love just hanging out with people. I love hearing people's ideas. And if I can make something happen, that's like, well, you know, let's do it. Let's see what we can do to make it happen. You know, even from a studio aspect, if I'm not out on tour doing, you know, different things, I've even moved into doing on location audio sound mixing for films. So I'll go out and be the boom operator holding a boom, uh, recording, you know, being the sound mixer, you know, sending audio to a camera or capturing it all so that they can process it all later and mix it. So that's a new phase of my life that I've started to kind of get into because I thought it was really it'd be a new challenge for me, something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a blast. The next thing I'd like to try to do is actually get into mixing films. Um, I've so far I've mixed a couple of independent stuff uh, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot doing some of that. But, you know, it's, it's definitely a different world. You're listening to Backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio. Check us out on Facebook at I'm with Mothership. Just quickly going back. Um, mm-hmm. You said your dad did sound. And so you were like, when you were born, <laughs> you were born into as a sound engineer. Um, did you just fall in love with it immediately or was it something that kind of grew on you? How did that happen? So really, dad was more of a music minister. So he used to go out and minister with oh. music. He would play instruments and all that kind of stuff. Now, he, not that he didn't know how to do sound. It's he did, but he needed somebody to, to help him out. So what he would do is, and I'm at the age four or five years old, he'd be like, okay, mijo, you know, because he was Hispanic. He'd be, okay, <laughs> yeah. mijo, just turn these knobs. When I say that, you know, when the music comes up, bring up the music, make sure it's balanced. And it was, you know, super simple stuff. Growing up, we always had a recording studio in the house. Dad okay. would always build a recording studio because he needed to record his albums and all that kind of stuff. There were times where he wouldn't use his own studio, but it would go into an, a big studio, you know, rent out a place and stuff like that, hire an, an engineer. And I would go along, tag along, and I just would be fascinated with all the lights and the meters and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was kind of born into it. So when I told my dad I had an interest in this, he was kind of like, hey, you know, we have a cousin in the industry. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Cousin in the industry. Yeah. I think I was like 16 at the time. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, really? He's, he's in the industry. I'm like, who's he worked with? And he's like, he's worked with Stevie Wonder. 
Uh, he goes, I think he worked on uh, the first three original Star Wars movies doing audio. And I'm like, wait, how come I've never heard of this guy? <laughs> so my dad sets up a meeting with him. So I'm 16 years old. He invites me out to the 20th Century Fox, you know, the, the lot. He sends me out to a movie set and I drive up. I get out there or he's he's mixing a movie a Mike Myers movie called So I Married an Axe Murderer. I don't know if you remember that film or not. Uh-huh. I'm sitting there inside this soundstage with, you know, a huge movie screen. It's got a huge console laid out in front of them. And they're watching the playback and the faders are flying all over. And so this is the first time I've ever seen an automated console. And I'm watching the faders fly. I'm watching uh, reverb units change ambient sounds so like if somebody was inside the bathroom it would sound like it was in the bathroom if somebody was outside it sounded like it so all these reverb units were just changing sounds and i'm like oh my gosh like you guys are creating the textures and sounds and ambiences of the film again 16 years old set me across the desk from the vice president of the the studio movie lot and the guy looks at me and he says uh so you want a job here and i was like yeah that That'd be cool. He says, he goes, you're in. And I'm like, I haven't gone to school for this. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And he's like, don't worry about it. He goes, in this industry, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And he goes, and since you're related to this guy, he goes, you're in. And he goes, now keep in mind, he goes, you're not going to be out in the front mixing movies yet. He goes, we'll teach you that part. He says, but you'll be in the back, you know, swapping out tapes, doing, you know, that sort of thing, running to go get coffee. I'm like, okay, cool. So I present the idea to my parents. My parents say, nah, not going to happen. What? <laughs> and the reason was, is we didn't live in Hollywood, right? We lived in a town that was about an hour south from from Hollywood. And so my parents said, you know, you got school, you got this, you got that. My cousin said, you know, no, well, he can stay. He can stay with me and he can go to school out here. My parents were like, no, we don't want that to happen. So knowing in the back of my mind, I always had that, you know, it's not what you know, but who you know. I was like, I wonder how true that really is. And that kind of set me on a course of going, well, you know what? I'm still going to go study. I'm still going to go figure this stuff out. Because I really, I mean, I was tweaking knobs, I was pushing faders, but I still really didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing those things. I was like, oh, that's a kick drum. Always put low end in a kick drum. I didn't know that you needed to decide whether it needed low end or not, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> or the bass guitar, always add bass. You know, that's, that's just one of those things. I didn't understand. And so I ended up taking a college course and the professor set up a couple phrases up at the beginning to kind of help me understand frequencies and spectrums and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, just it felt like connections just started happening in my brain. Just all this stuff just started going, oh, oh, that's why I do this. Oh, that's why I do that. Oh, that's why. And so now I had a reason why I was turning knobs. I had a reason why I was pushing the faders, that kind of thing. It was more of a does it really need it or do I need to, you know, not do that kind of thing. Yeah. And then from there, I mean, it it took off. Now, I never went back to my cousin and and tried to get a job in the industry. I found myself kind of going, "Okay, God, I have this talent. I have this ability. It's yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do with it. Whatever doors you open are the doors I'll walk through. Whatever doors you close, I'll just keep serving you and doing what you want me to do. You know, as the little snapshot that I gave you of my life up at the beginning, obviously those doors opened and they opened really big for me. Yes, there were things that I tried to chase and be like, yeah, I want to be, you know, I want to be in the industry and I want to be doing this. And I had those moments, but then I had those moments where God, I feel like he would talk to me and tell me, like, 
Be content where you're at. Redefine success for yourself. Are you out running sound for a Christian band? Yeah. Are you getting paid? Yeah. So then I started to look at it going, I'm successful. That's success for me. I'm getting paid for what I love to do and what I have a passion for. Okay. Yeah, they may not be a well-known individual. They're a local band, a local artist, but I'm helping their ministry out. I'm making them better. I'm making them sound better. And so that was always my mentality is like, you know, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll walk through those doors. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities just kept coming. Now, there were opportunities that came to me that I had to turn down. Um, and I know a lot of people are probably going to yell at me for this one. <laughs> but I was touring with Seventh Day Slumber. I would, this was during the season with Seventh Day. And um, I had got hooked up with a guy who was like the musical director for Babyface, really big in the R&B, I think like 90s and stuff like that. And he was producing a lot of people. Well, I had the opportunity to mix monitors for him. The guy was like, you know, what? He well, he doesn't tour a lot. He doesn't do a lot of shows. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm with another band called Seventh Day Slumber. And, you know, I just want to see if there's anything that I could pick up on off days, you know, and just kind of go out on tour on off days. And he says, well, I don't have anything. He goes, but, you know, I'm going to hook you up with another guy. So he passes me over to another gentleman who ends up being the the U.S. manager for Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Now, Ed Sheeran at that time was that he was going to do his I think it was his first American tour. His first single had just come out. It was (laughs) huge. And so I get the offer to go be his road manager, his front of house guy slash van trailer driver. (laughs) So I'm playing a bunch of roles. Yeah. The dates that they gave me and, you know, they showed me all the dates. We were going to do like the Tonight Show. We were going to do, I mean, like huge, huge thing because this is this is Ed Sheeran coming out to, you know, to the United States doing this. And I start looking at the dates and then Joe comes to me and says, hey, man, we have a you know, we have a new tour coming up. You know, can you do it? And I start I start looking at the dates and and it's literally the same dates that <laughs> Seventh Day Slumber's going out. And I was like, man, if I take this road, I'll be in the industry, you know, mainstream industry. I'll be doing blah, 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 blah. But if I go out with Seventh Day Slumber, I'm going to be doing ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be reaching people. I was the first face that most people saw get off that bus. It, it's up to me to make sure that I connected with people because they were there were volunteers there that would come help us load and unload and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there were people that I impact that I know that I impacted my ministry impacted. I felt, you know, that was my ministry. So I, I looked at those two decisions and I was just like, I know I can make a lot more money doing this, but the eternal rewards, the eternal things that I could be doing were far greater. And I was just like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass. And the guy goes, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pass. And I remember going out on that tour and I mean, we had done some amazing things and reached some amazing people. Uh, we saw, you know, at the end of the night, people putting drugs on the altar, putting their needles on the altar, you know, uh, their suicide notes, that sort of stuff. To me, that was like the best decision I could have ever made for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You knew what you were called for. I knew what I was called for. And so, you know, people ask me, do you regret not taking the insurance thing? And I was like, nah, no, because at the end, I still won. I was mm-hmm. able to reach people. And not only that, I mean, where I'm at now, I've done stuff for Disney. I've done stuff for Marvel. I've done some really big things. 
God just opened those doors for me. Al Performance Service Family is a Solid Rock Radio business ministry partner who offers turnkey e-commerce website design, marketing, and converged technology consulting. Online at outperformancemarketing.com. People come to me and they'll ask me, hey, you know, what do I do to get in the industry and be like you and, and mix sounds? Like step number one, don't try to get in the industry. <laughs> Let the industry come to you. Let the industry come to you. You be a faithful servant. If you're serving at your church right now and you're mixing sound and do it to the best that you can do. Study everything that you can study because that is the training ground right there. And I'm not saying that you need to make mistakes, you know, when you're running sound for church, but that's where that's where you develop. That's where you grow. That's where people give you grace. You know, mm-hmm. and, and will help you out kind of thing. And you learn so many different techniques. And not only that, you learn leadership. You learn how to be kind. You learn, you know, how to have grace for people, mercy for people. I see a different change in most audio engineers, but there are still a few few out there that are, are real jerks. And that's hard because, again, you're the face, in a sense, of the ministry. That You're the approachable face of mm-hmm. whatever band you're with, whatever artist you're with, whatever church you work for. You're, you're a face. And if you're a jerk, I mean, you you can scar or mar things. Um, I mean, I know for myself, I've, I've, I've had some run-ins in the industry, and I had to learn to separate people from the ministry, like, you know, whether it was a management or, or something like that. And the guy may not have been saved that was running, you know, running management for a certain Christian artist, but I had to learn to separate, like, this guy did not represent the band. Yes, he represented it in contract as, you know, a business right. transaction, but does not represent the character, the heart, the love, the grace, the mercy, whatever it is that this band is. I had to learn how to separate those two. But if I could be a team player and be that face for the band and be that, hey, how you doing today? Man, great to see you. You know, Cindy, I'm going to say this and, and, and I don't mean it in, in, in any bad light or anything like that, but. There were days that were tough being out on the road because I was missing my family. I mean, I had a wife, two kids that were back in Nashville sometimes. Sometimes they would travel with us, but a, a lot of the times they didn't. And I was tired. We, I mean, we were doing, I think with seventh day, we were like 260 days out of the year. We were out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to, before I stepped out of that bus, I had to pray and tell myself, these people have never seen you before. This is the first experience that they're ever going to have with you. This may even be the first experience with Seventh Day Slumber. Have a great attitude. Mm-hmm. And I would walk out of that bus. And even though I, if I was tired, if I was sick, whatever it was, I'm not going to let that win. I'm going to be just love and grace. And and so many people blessed us, you know, while we traveled and toured. I mean, they took care of us. And it was just it was amazing. I, when you're working with an artist, how do you pull out what you want? So most of the time, the way I work with most artists is I, again, I'm a team player. I may have an idea of what I want it to sound like, but ultimately it's the artist who determines what it's going to sound like. So I'm the technical knowledge and they're the, hey, I want it to sound like this. And I'm the guy that's supposed to get them there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my job. I'll mix something. If they haven't given me a direction other than, hey, just listen to our albums kind of thing, you know, listen to this single, blah, blah, blah. I'll typically pull the lead singer or whoever makes the decisions for the band, tell them to come out in the front. It's like, okay, everybody play. Let's do this and let them kind of help guide. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a team effort. You know, I want it to sound like the way they want it to sound. Now, I'll Mm -hmm. make suggestions. I'll say, hey, you know what? I I feel like, you know, you're asking me to put the kick drum and the kick drum feels a little thin to me. Do you mind if I round it out a little bit? Let me give you an A, B. 
And so again, you know, then I, I'll, I'll say, okay, this is with my setting. This is your setting. This is my setting, your setting. And let them make the decision. Hey, man, you know what? That was a great idea. Or, you know, no, this is the sound that, we are, that we're after. Great. It doesn't harm me to make them sound like what they want. That's what they want. I will always make a suggestion if I feel like something's not working. You know, I'm not coming at people harshly or anything like that. Now I'm teaching musicians arrangement and how to listen to each other mm-hmm. and how to play with each other kind of thing and, and where they fit, you know, kind of. Thing. And it's just it's, it's fantastic. It's a great role to be a part of. I love to teach. I love to teach so much that I try to visit churches that are in need of help uh, when it comes to audio. They'll, they'll send me a link to their uh, their stream or something like that. And like, how can we make it better? And I'll consult with them. I'll, I'll help them figure it out. I'll work with their team. You know, I'll go and visit their team. I'll take their team out to lunch, coffee, because what's the point of me trying to come in and be like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Like, man, let's develop a relationship. Let's develop a friendship. You know, let's go out. Let's go have coffee. Let's, let's not even talk about sound. Let's all go out and hang out, get to know one another. And then when it comes to now it's time to teach, they're willing to listen. Because now they know who I am. I know who they are. And so then you're able to feed people like, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Can we, let's do this together. Let's figure this out. Um, I think one of the biggest tips that I could give an artist, a band, a sound engineer, whether you're on lights, whether you're running overhead, whatever it is, is always have a great attitude and be willing to learn and to change things. Don't ever be stuck in your ways. I'm going to be, you know, 47 this year and I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I don't know it all. I'll never claim to know it all. I'm willing to learn from young kids that are coming out of college, audio college and stuff like that. I'm willing to listen to production ideas. I'm willing to grow. Be willing to learn. Be willing to make changes. Be willing to work together. Have a great attitude. That's the thing that I can tell you because at the end of the day, you're trying to reach people. And if there's tension between you and the sound guy or you and somebody else that you, because you guys couldn't communicate, it translates a lot. My worship pastors and I, we're best friends. We'll go hang out. We have a good time together. To me, relationship is a huge part of it. And if you have a bad attitude, now I'm talking from a sound engineer's perspective. If you have a bad attitude, you're not going to get called back. Nobody's really going to want to work with you kind of thing. You said it, you know, that GFM was, was singing my praises. And that was the first time I've ever worked with them, like really worked with them. Mm-hmm. And I love them. I mean, they're, oh my gosh, they're legit family. We still text each other after the tour, <laughs> sending each other funny memes and, and just random stuff. It's hilarious. I mean, I love it. <laughs> if a church is looking for you, Ed Sheridan, whoever, <laughs> how would they get in touch with you and uh, tell us that? And I'll put that also on the blog on my uh, website. You got it. So my email address is kingdomcomestudio at gmail.com. Just super simple. Kingdomcomestudio at gmail.com. But you can reach me on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I think okay. I even have a TikTok. I mean, if bands need somebody to mix an album, mix a single, I'm here. Uh, if you're getting ready to head out on tour and you just need to run some production ideas through somebody, I'm here. Uh, churches, if you need help, I'm here, here and willing. There you go. You heard it right here. Okay. Well, we'll have those links on Solid Rock Radio uh, website. Thank you again. Yes. It was so good to talk to you. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Good night. Good night.
Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great music. And check out my blog page on the Solid Rock Radio website for my guests' social media links. If you've missed any of my past interviews, you can find them uploaded to podcast.solidrockradio.org. Have a wonderful week, and let's be kind to one another.